Welcome to Mindful School Marketing, your go-to podcast for personal and professional growth. We're school marketers, business owners, and moms passionate about connecting other school professionals with tools and strategies for success. We love solving problems, exploring new ideas, and thinking outside the box. Let's transform your school and life starting right now. This episode is brought to you by Enquiry Tracker. Easily manage all of your inquiries, tours, open houses, and applications with a system designed by K-12 education, marketing, and admissions professionals. Welcome to Mindful School Marketing. I'm Tara Clays. And I'm Aubrey Birch. Today, we're joined by Jesse Meadow. Jesse Meadow is co-founder and managing director of Schoolcraft Digital. Since 2020, he has been helping schools reach their prospective parents using long-term, multi-channel digital marketing strategies and tactics. Welcome, Jesse. Hey there. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We're so glad to meet you and have you on the show today. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again. I'm very excited to be here as well and talk with the two of you. Myself, oof, where do I start? Father of two wonderful daughters that keep me entertained all day long. My lovely wife from New Jersey, we reside down here in Florida, so we live a little bit of the vacation life all year round. But yeah, no, I went to private school, boarding school when I was younger, a middle school and in high school. It was a big part of my life and hence where my passions were. I, I Went back as an alumni, actually worked at the school for a long time, did some other things, traveled internationally, represented, and got to meet a lot of other school professionals as well, and really just started to get my feet wet. And here I am years later, still in the industry, still doing what I love to do, and creatively finding ways to basically promote the the values and the offerings that private school education can do, not just academically, but really from my own experience, character and emotionally. I really believe in a lot of what they do. So it's very fun. And now we do digital marketing. So we're trying to bring schools from the antiquated days of print and mailers and billboards and trying to expand that a little bit into the parents of today and making sure that uh, they're getting the consistent luxury item marketing that uh, the rest of the industries are doing these days. That's amazing. I love your story because you experienced what it's like to go to an independent school. And then you now have seen multiple sides of what that looks like. And I remember talking to you before the show about looking at it from a parent perspective too, because you're thinking school for my daughters, school, everything like that. So different multiple perspectives. So we're so excited to have you on the show. And I'm excited to dive in with you with a topic that I think is somewhat misunderstood by schools, at least when discussions that we're having with them, and that's enrollment funnels. So can you talk to us a little bit more about what is a enrollment funnel? Like how can a school use it effectively to really help their marketing efforts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This has been a big educational piece as we go through the process of talking with schools as well. Typically in a enrollment funnel, essentially it's the student journey or the family journey, prospect, inquiries, applicants, enrolled. But in marketing terms, it generally follows much of the same thing as a sales uh, funnel. We modify it a little bit, but basically you're going to have that brand awareness stage, getting your name out there, getting families to know that you exist and what you offer, obviously getting them to take that action of decision-making. Okay. We're going a little bit further down that funnel on the conversion end. Usually that it tends to be an application, getting that application in. That's the strongest way to show that enrollment. Uh, And then there's the advocacy part. That's really after the marketing piece. There's a lot of marketing that goes into it. As far as us on the paid side, what we do, 
that's really more of the schools, but that's going to be your, your attrition. How are you nurturing the leads that you're getting through the enrollment process, the current students you have? How are you nurturing them, giving them a great experience if they want to return every year and really become advocates and ambassadors for the school? Essentially, it follows a lot of the model of the sales funnel, but using some of the key points, I would say, that an admissions or an enrollment manager might be able to use with their normal enrollment season. I don't know if that helps explain it for you at all. <laughs> it does. It does. I think it can seem overwhelming because there are so many pieces and how they fit together. What parts of the funnel do you think get the least attention or are the most challenging for schools? The biggest thing we've noticed with school, they're big on checking boxes. They are thinking that they're doing a full-on marketing when it's really just a few months out of the year. It's really just going to be a few different advertisements or content pieces that they're pushing out at certain times. Really, they think they're hitting this marketing piece where really what we've dubbed it is it's more of a random acts of marketing. Everything is really focused on the conversion. Hey, let's put this out here. Let's get registrations. Let's get applications or let's get inquiries or let's get tours. And that's really, I think for schools, they miss a lot of the top of the funnel because it doesn't have a lot of action to it. It's really more about brand awareness. You're not really looking for conversions at this point. So that top of the funnel, I think is non-existent for many schools. It's really action and conversion. And then in the engagement part that we like to use or the advocacy part at the end, I think schools are aware of it. And I think that they do their balancing acts as best they can on how to get good retention and keep those families engaged. But I would say that top of the funnel, that that brand awareness, that reach stage of the funnel is, is pretty much non-existent for schools. The value of it, it's obviously valuable in a long-term marketing solution. I mean, you're talking year over year. You want to have your name out there. You want to build that brand recognition. But on the school's end, everyone's tight with budget, tight with bandwidth. You're talking extra effort, extra money going into something that the ROI is not so directly linked. And it's such a long-term part of the funnel that maybe it's not the biggest initiative that, that schools will have when they set out their marketing plans. That makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, can you talk a little bit more, like how does one think about the top of the funnel? If that seems to be one of the maybe overlooked areas, how does one kind of look at it and maybe think about it differently in terms of how it can better serve their school? So I would say a lot of the mailers that actually go out that schools like to do, they usually do it for open houses or different events that they have. That's a very top of the funnel kind of thing. I know they're trying to get an action um, out of that, but that is more of an awareness thing, a billboard that they put up or some schools, they have the movie theaters where they have the advertisements before the movies, maybe not so much anymore from, since the pandemic, but those are types of magazine articles, a great one, if you're in a magazine at all. Those are very top of the funnel things. That's not something that's going to designate an action for you, but it is an awareness that when you come in later with an action piece, that awareness is there, that research is there. And another thing I would like to say that's very important on the top of the funnel, the generation of parents today are digital natives. The ghost applicants that everyone has seen is only going to rise. They are doing their research before they get to you. By the time parents like myself or anyone else, they're going to be checking you out. They're going to be redoing their own research. The fact that 70, 70, maybe even 80% of that whole process is done by the time I contact you means what are you doing in the beginning stages of that to make them aware of what your values are? What is your story? What are you offering? So I like to say that top of the funnel is a great way to one, 
build the brand. If you got a great logo, especially if you've done any new projects or a new branding that you've done, maybe an acquisition of another campus or another school, that those are great top of the funnels. Just get your name out there. But really, it's a supportive effort. So when you come in with those strong calls, it's not the first time they're hearing about you. And like I said, that research portion of families, you really want to be proactive in that. And to think about it in terms of what are they finding out about us and what are we putting out there? You can control that. And that's really going to be a lot of the top of the funnel, even if it doesn't directly go to an application right away. That makes a lot of sense. And I can see how that would be something that's missed because it's hard to do. Yeah. But let's talk about now another part of the funnel that's hard to do, and that's conversions. So what sort of conversions should schools see at each part of the funnel to move them through it? That is a a very good question. And it can vary a lot depending on what your campaign is. We always talk about what are the goals of the campaign. Some of them can be a little bit more specifically. Some of them can be very broad. We've had campaigns where the goal was to... their school was filled up, but it, they used a lot of financial aid to get there. So we were supposed to be getting attracting a lot of higher thresholds, higher income threshold families. So those goals and conversions will be different from a general one. So that will depend. I would say on a general basis, if you were to think of the stages as what they are, then whatever your specific campaign goal is, it will fit inside of that. For example, the reach stage, your brand awareness stage. This is when they're going to be researching your school. This is when they're going to be trying to find out a little bit more about you. Metrics that revolve around research are going to be great conversion metrics to look at. How long are they spending on whatever landing page that you're sending? If you're bringing them to your website, are they going to multiple pages? What is their exit rate? Obviously, whenever you're doing paid marketing, you want to look at your click-through rate. Is this actually is this message actually working with our audience group? But really, it's going to be those how many new users Are we engaging them? How long are they spending? Are we seeing that they're looking at different things? That's going to be great conversion metrics for a brand awareness stage. And when you get down to an action stage, you know, that decision making, these are smaller actions. This is not what we're talking about. The application, a tour might be involved in an action stage, but definitely open house registrations. If you've got a special event or a carnival or something that you're opening up to the public, what are the registrations for that on? If it's simply just to fill out an inquiry form or to get some information, download the digital brochure, those are all tiny little actions that require the family to give some sort of feedback, usually first-party data like an email address and name. But those are going to be very key metrics. How many conversions did we have on those small little actions that we took there? I would say... Sometimes with this stage, bounce rate is going to be huge for the action stage because bounce rate is really going to be, they went to whatever page we're driving them to and they took an action or they didn't take an action. And the whole point of this stage is for them to take an action. So bounce rate is going to be a key component that's going to be added into this decision-making stage, keeping an eye on that. If that starts to get a little bit higher, you may want to look at the design layouts. Is your call to action clear enough? Is it easy enough to find? So things like that. I wouldn't say time on page is going to be the hugest thing like it is in brand awareness because you're asking them to do a direct thing. And if you've done your job, you've taken them exactly where they need to go. So it shouldn't be too time consuming to do. And then when we get to conversions, obviously this will be defined as what whatever your goal is going to be, whether that's an application, a specific type of application, which type of family, and tracking those goals along the way. How many did that happen? And then obviously when you get to this stage of the funnel, 
what kind of cost did it take to get here? How many did we get? Now you can do your cost per leads. You can really get into a lot of the ROI during this stage. Your engagement, like I said, for us, it's really more on the school, but the school themselves, they can look at their retention pieces. How, what is our attrition every year? Are we taking some intentional actions? And then what were the results of those actions that we've gotten from our current families? This could be in a, in a lot of variety of forms. Parent surveys could be great ones as well to get some feedback and get some metrics to use in that engagement stage. But really, it's all about the advocacy. You're trying to build the advocacy. You're trying to get students to re-enroll year in and year out until they graduate, come back as alumni like myself, become big donors, the whole full year cycle. So a lot of those metrics are really going to be geared towards engagement and retention on that NP side. If you wanted to get specific and maybe a little bit smaller picture, uh, you could definitely use an engagement metric of a lead comes to the admissions officer or to your enrollment manager, how many of those qualified leads or maybe even accepted students ended up converting into enrolled students and filled out all the matriculation paperwork and everything, because that could tell you a little bit about your process from lead nurturing. I get the lead to the admissions office. Maybe there's some hiccups or some process steps that we need to fix and work on for families to really take the big step into enrollment, the final end goal there. Yeah, I had two things I wanted to ask you about, but I'm going to start with Google Analytics because mm. all the things that you're talking about, I would hope that most admissions people who are working on digital marketing are looking at their Google Analytics. All I just want to make a reference point for people that these this information, these metrics and data that you're referring to in case they're not aware of it, that's information that comes from Google Analytics and Google Ads, right? right. Is that, am I correct? Okay. That's right. And Google ads, obviously, because they're synced with Google Analytics will be a, a lot more detailed than what you might get with like your Facebook ads or anything of that sort. But the Google Analytics side of things does track anything that's on the website. So even if you're doing separate campaign, ad hoc campaigns on different platforms, all of that detail will still be getting built up and the data getting sent to you via Google Analytics. So if you go in there, you can look at behaviors, you can look on the acquisition side, and that will really give you a breakdown of what you're trying to look for. And like I said, when you're looking at things, especially at the brand awareness stage, what are metrics that you would think someone that's researching you, what are those kind of metrics? time on page and things like that. All of that is in Google Analytics. Furthermore, if you really get good with it, YouTube, it's very simple to do. It seems very difficult to conceptualize, but if you actually just take a, maybe an hour or two, you can really take a, a few short videos and figure out how to set up your Google Analytics goals. And really on that backend piece, you can say, hey, my goals for this month, because we're doing a brand awareness stage, are going to be at least two pages per visitor or this new visitors to the site. And you could have all of these goals just accumulating in the background, which might make, definitely would make the analyzing the data that much easier. Yeah. I love working with goals in Google Analytics. It's almost like a hidden treasure there. I want to also dive in a little bit to the other part that you mentioned. You talked about lead nurturing and we've talked to a lot of guests about that relationship building and how that can often fall off for schools because they're not managing. Once the leads come in, they're not managing those. Do you consider that part of the funnel? I would, and I would put that more on the engagement side. I don't really necessarily think that there's 
any brand awareness that's going on with that. And obviously it might get thrown into the action if you're trying to get them to take an action. For example, if they haven't, if they filled out an inquiry form and you're trying to get them to come on campus for a tour, could fall into the action stage for sure. But generally speaking, that lead nurturing, what are the processes? What, what sort of automations do you have to try to engage them and try to get them to complete the process? For us, that really falls into an advocacy part because if you can make that, that, that family journey from first touch point brand awareness they come they, it's easy to find information it's easy to research about you okay now i want to contact the school they get in touch with you and then from that point on you've been in contact you've given them easy instructions they've got a nice clear path to enrollment you take that one step further into now you've given them a nice smooth clear path towards registration day making sure they have that all the information they need for the start of school which is a very nerve-wracking time especially if they're not familiar with private schools many families over the pandemic had made that switch from public to private would be that's all part of that advocacy that's really building what they're going to be able to think about the school, how they're going to think about coming back the following year. It really does start with that first touch point. And for sure, you can make things up on, on the back end after they enroll. There's a lot more people involved on campus with that experience than in just the admissions part. But that admissions part, once they get that lead, it's crucial. The impression that you're giving them, the perception that they're getting about how you operate as a school. I really appreciate you explaining all that because it, it can be a little overwhelming for people to understand all the different things to think about. And that kind of spurred my next question, which is, so we have a lot of people who are small shops or one person shops, like looking at all this, like, where do they begin? You mentioned YouTube and you mentioned some other tools. How can they like start tracking or what tools could they use to supplement the fact that maybe they don't have a larger team? Yeah. I would say starting with the funnel process, if you haven't, if you don't have one built already, I would say that it's starting larger and more broad is a very, is the best way to go about it. Instead of getting into specific niche areas of enrollments, maybe jump to enrollment overall. Okay. We need to have this campaign message that's going to go out. Here's our theme for the year or slogan or catchphrase and maybe multiple years, but this is who we are. Who are we talking to? Defining their audience, obviously. And then from there, you can plan out, okay, what is the content that we're going to push out at each one of these stages? That can formulate a nice simple plan. It's a very broad reaching plan. It's not really focused on any specific niche area that will be very time consuming to dive into individually. And then it'll also build the habits and the processes that will be efficient for you to get into those specific areas there. As far as the data, I would say Google Analytics is going to be your best friend here. Keep it simple. Your cost metrics are going to be if you keep it on the broad basics, cost per click, cost per thousand impressions on that reach stage that you're getting, and then really your ROI at the end result, you can formulate a lot of those. Outside of that, everything else should be available in Google Analytics if you want to be keep it on a broad level. You know, who's coming? Okay, we were starting to target this area. Where are these people coming from? Google Analytics has geography on there, so you can take a look on the map of where they're coming from. You can definitely take a look at how long they're staying on pages, how many new users. When you get into the later stages, how many returning users, and it's literally just a click of a button on your Google Analytics. So I would say if you can get familiar with Google Analytics first and build out a very broad annual plan, that's really the only way you're going to be able to really setting up the stages of the funnel. Because if you're only thinking about a certain time of the year, 
you're not going to be able to do a whole funnel in three months. It's going to take a little bit longer than that for families to move, move through the cycle. I would say keep it broad, work your way down to more specifics as you get more comfortable and really familiar, familiarize yourself with Google Analytics. That'll help you out a lot. Yeah, thank you for that. And it's always good. A lot of times I think we're just in general, people are hesitant to try new things and to fail. And I think this is a good time. Google Analytics can seem very intimidating. What? Just try it and ask questions. And yeah, you're not going to get it right probably the first time, but that's okay because that's part of learning. And that's part of, frankly, marketing is a lot of that. I appreciate you giving them some tools and suggestions. Now, I'd like to switch gears and ask you, 2023 is right around the corner. What sort of trends or things do you think are on the horizon for 2023 and beyond? Man. In digital marketing, it is changes every week. I feel like I have to do some more research every week because Facebook or Google changes something. I think that this next year coming up, I think the importance that schools really should understand is first party data is going to be coming pretty much next year. It's already starting with a lot of platforms. Uh, Apple, Facebook are already starting to have a lot of regulation. The data data is a very hot issue. You can see the regulation that's going on in Europe. These things are trickling down and it's really finding their way into our market as well. So when you're talking about getting out in front of families and being able to have data that you can use and work on, it's really going to be the first party data. So I would say in digital marketing in 2023, anything that you can do to get someone's email address, it doesn't have to be real detailed stuff. You can do a lot with an email address as far as building audiences and lookalike audiences, but names, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, this type of information is going to be pure gold in the upcoming years, just because that's really going to be how you're going to use a lot of your outreach efforts in the future. Thanks for that. I love learning about what's coming down the pike and um, hearing <laughs> predictions for what's next. Who knows what words are uh, And I wish I had a crystal ball, but you know, sometimes yeah. who you never know. That was actually supposed to have already happened. Google's pushed it back a year. We'll see how it goes, but digital marketing, it keeps you on your toes all the time. And I will say this on a personal level, like a organizational level, one thing that I have noticed that I feel is happening with schools from the conferences and the people I've talked to there seems to be a very big understanding now of the importance of digital marketing. And even more than that, on a broader scale, the importance of the admissions department and communications department talking together. That that seems to be, I can't even tell you how many conversations where I've been like, I can't, this is great. We even went to the conference, Enrollment Management Association, EMA conference recently, and they had communications people there. The admissions team brought them. So that they can understand, hey, this is what we're seeing. This, these are the trends. These are where we need to be. So that communication and that uh, that marriage between the two really comes together. And I, I feel that organizationally, that seems to be a great trend. And I hope it keeps going. And I will be a proponent of that any way I can. Yeah, for sure. I want to move on to a question about mindfulness, because we always ask our guests about mindfulness. It's something that we pay a lot of attention to and that applies to all aspects of life depending on how you define it. So can you share about what, how you define mindfulness and how you might apply it to working with digital marketing? Yeah, mindfulness, you can't really see it here. I got a little corner, my little cubby corner over here. That's my mindfulness corner right there. I've got all my, my little incense and everything. I go over, my reading nook is over there with my, my big library. For me, it's really about awareness 
you know, keeping perspective, uh, it's very difficult to do. And what I've learned really working in schools when I, that was probably the, the first job where I had to wear like 10 hats at the same time it was fine so much when I was the nine to fiver. And then I jumped over to a residential life where we had the boarding population and it just never stopped. So making sure that you're, you know, and now where I am now trying to run a the digital marketing agency, it's very difficult to keep mindfulness on the forefront. For me, I literally schedule block for reflection. You might not need to go that far. I feel that reflection is huge. And that could be, I do that in my personal life, but I also do it professionally in my work life. Hey, what did we do here? What did we want? What ended up happening? For me, a lot of what I do is build out processes. So, you know, what's working well, what's not working well, is this helping to achieve? In, in digital marketing, mindfulness for me is, hey, try to take a break. There's a lot that can, that there's a lot of rabbit holes you can go down and fill your entire time. But sometimes take a step back, have some reflection about what's happening, where you're trying to go and really nail in and hone in on, on what's working well from that reflection piece. That's great. And so powerful. Taking a step back in general, just sometimes gives you perspective on where you need to go. So thank you. That's really helpful. So we're going to transition into our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I hope so. <laughs> All right. This is one of my favorites. If you could put one book as mandatory reading in the high school curriculum, what would it be? It's got, you know, listen, I, I finished a book, the last book I finished uh, in September, Atomic Habits. It's got to be, it's got to be Atomic Habits. I just, it blew my mind. It's changed every, ever since September, my whole life has been different uh, from this book. And it, it's for a curriculum piece, if you can build something around it. If you can get kids, if I had the, those habits and tactics and mindset at that point, the sky's the limit for what I was able to achieve from that age. So I would say Atomic Habits is, I think it's James, James Clear. Clear. Yeah. 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 We are fans of that book. I'm also like a disciple of that. And it's been mentioned by many of our guests. So we do have a Goodreads list that I like to plug where we have just a fabulous list of great books to check out and Atomic Habits is already on it. <laughs> okay. Sorry I couldn't add more, okay, but maybe no one more vote. Say hey, which school's going to do this first? <laughs> I am going to recommend my children's school. I'm going to send them a copy because I love how you said weave into the curriculum. I was like, oh, we could, I meanwhile, I was just going to force my children to read all these books, but what if my school could weave it into the curriculum? So I like yeah. your thinking. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The next rapid fire question is what's one app you could not live without? Oh man. Right now, right now, TikTok, come on now. It's just so much fun. And when you need the break, it's there. I hate that sometimes it takes more time than I want, but it's great. But no seriousness, I probably would be Slack to be honest with you. I know that's a weird one, but we're remote work. We've got employees all over the country for us. Slack is, I just couldn't be without Slack. Everything else on the social side, I grow up, my ADHD kicks in. I move on to something else, but Slack's always there. I can't get rid of it. Can't live without it. That knock, yeah. knock sound. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, we use Slack too, and I love it. And I'm surprised more schools don't use it because school teams could really benefit instead of sending each other emails all the time. Yeah. Thanks for that. Now you already mentioned atomic habits, but what are you reading right now? Oh man. I'm reading never split the difference. It's Chris Voss book. And I got to tell you, it's been great. I like that one too. It's basically a former FBI agent talking about 
negotiation tactics. And a lot of the references that he uses are obviously based off of hostage situations or things like this, but strategies and the mindsets behind them can really be applied to so many different things. And just a funny story really quick. I remember reading it. I think it was actually just a few weeks ago. I was in bed. My wife was actually TikToking and I'm reading this piece. I finished this paragraph. I take a deep breath. I look at my wife. I say, this book is not good for you because this is teaching me exactly how to plan, how to get what I want and how to really organize this thought process. I said, I need to put this book down or we're going to get into a lot of fights. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> I love that book. I also watched his masterclass, which was intriguing. Oh, I, I have to check that out. Good to know. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap up with our last question, which is what is one great piece of advice that you'd like to leave us with, Jesse? Top of mind, it's focus on the process, not the end goal. Something I learned from Atomic Habits, end goals are very important to have. Your focus day in, day out, it really should be on building the habit and building the process because in the end, you'll reach your goal. And then what? If you have a good process, if you have good habits, you'll just continue to have new end goals to continue to climb that mountain. So I would say focus on the process. Great. Thank you so much, Jesse. We really appreciated your time. Where can people find you online? Sure. Yeah, we're available on any of the social media platforms, Schoolcraft Digital. You can look us up. We're also at www.schoolcraftdigital.com. You can reach out any which way that you have there. And we have plenty of ways to find us on that website. Thank you so much, Jesse. We loved having you here. And I know our audience will find this conversation very valuable. Thank you. Sure, Hope. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Inquiry Tracker is the all-in-one CRM solution used by over 250 schools. Easily manage all your inquiries, tours, and open houses. Key instant analytics help you manage and grow a robust pipeline. So end spreadsheets forever. The smart online application system with powerful document upload is a game changer. No school is too small or too big, and their fast start program will get you up and running in no time. Best of all, the system is designed by K-12 education marketing and admissions professionals. Check out Inquiry Tracker at inquirytracker.net. That's inquiry with an E, tracker.net. Thanks for joining us on the Mindful School Marketing Podcast. We'd love it if you pop into iTunes and leave a review, five-star preferred. Let us know how you like the show. It helps us improve what we're doing and helps others find us too.